Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seria Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. Welcome to our Seria Chronicles Q&A episode for the week. We're back for our mailbag. We're back with your questions, myself and Mina Rizuki. Um, Mina, how are you doing? Long time no see. No, it's been like ages. I've, <laughs> you know, I've moved countries. I'm not I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. 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 I'm going to jump right in with our first question, which comes from Intertwined at our Twined on Twitter. Question for Mina. Do you feel Juve's current midfield depth is conducive to what Allegri is trying to do. Intertwine actually sent us two questions. You can see the same document that I can see. So why don't I ask you that one, then you can read the second question to me. Okay. So it's conducive to what Allegri is trying to do. I don't know what... I actually don't know how to answer this question, to be honest with you, because I don't really think there is a midfield depth. So I think that's the whole point, right? Um, Is what he's trying to do. I think the best midfield that we can do right now is to just shove Locatelli next to somebody who can play well, you know, Um, or or allow him to play well or do what it is that he needs to do. I I like a like a four four two, um, or a or sort of like a four three one two um formation. I think it will bring out the best of this team. I'm not really keen on three-man back lines, but, you know, whatever decides to work. But right now, I'd love to see, honestly, I'd love to see Arthur alongside Locatelli. Arthur, I called him Arthur. Is it Arthur? Artur? Anyway, next to Locatelli, Artur. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Ben Tenkor. I do think that he's better when he is next to Locatelli. It's an interesting midfield, but I think the way that right now Allegri's designed it is that it minimally doesn't expose them as much as it ought to because midfield is sort of the weakest draw right now. And this is something that he in particular has always wanted to strengthen. So after the Champions League win in 2017, when Agnelli asked him what it is that he wanted, he said, I really want a midfield. I want options. I want to be able to look at my bench and not have Lamina sitting there, but having alternatives that I could bring in the way that Sedan had alternatives where he can introduce the likes of Asensio and Gareth Bale and Alvaro Morata to win the game. Um, that was something that unfortunately wasn't available because there was just, you know, just not that kind of depth. Um, instead, eventually they bought Ronaldo and it was a it was wonderful player to bring in. But I think what 
Allegri has always wanted was a packed midfield and, and he really wanted Locatelli more than anyone, which is why I think he had to make certain sacrifices for Chesney and Donnarumma, um, not bringing him in, especially considering the contract that Chesney is on. So I don't know what it is that he's trying to do. He is trying to just make sure that this is a midfield that works well with Paolo Dybala, who likes to drop in and make sure that they have enough ball players, people who run into space. So I think that most of what he's trying to do right now is just to ensure that there's tight lines. They don't defend, uh, they don't concede when they are defending and then be able to give them a springboard to allow the beauty of sort of the direct play that is Alvaro Morata and Federico Chiesa and make sure that Dybala has enough time on the ball to produce what we know he knows how to produce. What about your question? I think Inter overpaid for Korea. Huh, interesting. This, this is intertwined speaking. Not no, no, this is, yeah. yes, sorry, this is intertwined um, from Tampa, Florida. Um, I think Inter overpaid for Korea. I think that's an interesting thought. Um, I don't see him being more of a spark player off. I don't see him being more than a spark player off the bench, but not someone who can eventually replace Jekko. I think I agree with you. Do you, Nikki? I, well, very different kind of player right away um, from Edin Jekko. I think that needs to be uh, said. Not a like the like for like sort of uh, hold the sort of ball up. Back to goal number nine at all, which is is what um, Jekyll is. I I found Inter's recruitment this summer confusing <laughs> I agree. as a whole. Now the results so far have been pretty good, but the one thing that's been really clear, sort of um, from talking to people, is that Hakan Chalanoglu was someone that Inzaghi really really wanted. Right, Chalanoglu was 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 a big target for Inzaghi specifically, which is odd because Chalanoglu, in my mind you're going to get the best out of him playing as a number 10. And so far into haven't played with a number 10. They're going to, they've been playing this sort of um, five-man midfield, which is, you know, the classic three-five-two shape with, with Inzaghi. And he's playing more as a box-to-box role, which I don't think is his best role. And Correa at Lazio very often was playing as a secondo punta, which is, you know, second striker, like behind Chile Immobile when they were on together or as an alternative to, in which case you lead the line. But these are all players who, to me, are starting to crowd up a central area of the pitch in a way that I don't see how it fits together. Lautaro Martinez is your number nine now, and that's clear. Like, he is the, the, the centre of the attack and everything should be building off it. I understand Enin Dzeko and Lautaro, because Dzeko will be the selfless target and Lautaro can play off him. Where do you put and number 10 behind them into that mix, I already don't understand. Where do you put a number 10 and Hoa Korea into that mix? I really, really don't understand because where's he going? Like, where's where does Korea get into that? Korea, the best I can see him as stylistically is an alternative to Lautaro, actually, not Jack. Yeah. But to me, it just feels like this is a player who... Yeah, okay. An alternative to Lachero is not a terrible thought, especially because probably the more we learn about the state of Inter's finances, you need to sell Lachero next summer, which you don't want to admit, but it's probably the truth, given you've just got 200 million euro holding your latest uh, uh, bank sheet. So maybe he's the alternative to that. And look, Inzaghi knows him, got some good results with him um, at Lazio in terms of getting him playing well. But 
to me in general, it, it smacks of, we've got a manager, we need a striker, we can't spend too much money. Here's someone he's played with before. I, I don't think he fits into the team they've built in any obvious way at all. Perfectly well said. Let's move on to the next question, which is from Francesco at Malik Fan. I think that is how you pronounce it. Is there a non-superstar player that you always wanted at your club? Mine was always Arda Turan to come to Juve. To Juve. Always thought he was wasted at Barcelona. Manzukic was the other, but that came true and he was amazing. <laughs> now I know, Nikki, that for you, um, non-superstar and then the word Manzukic made you sort of think, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, two things made me laugh just there. First of all, is that Manzuka just scored, in my opinion, the best ever goal in the Champions League final. Um, no, it's not the best ever goal. Come on. I understand you're going to say Zidane. I get it. Zidane's goal was no winning effort. So everyone's going to rate it higher. Zidane against Bayer Leverkusen is the best goal. And it's Zidane. But I think technically what Manzuka did was ridiculous. For some reason, when you were reading that, isn't, I don't know what it was. Like my brain's just being uh, uh, full of worms today. But you said you thought it was um, when... Uh, Francesco said uh, Arturan was always wasted at Barcelona. My brain went like, yeah, wasted man. Like he was drinking or something, which is not the implication. But that was actually what made me laugh. It's just this idea that Arturan was having a big party, which I'm very certain wasn't the case. Um, so if our bar for a non-superstar is Mandzukic, which if that's the framing, then I'm understanding this is basically like, it's got to be someone who is not like, not Haaland, not an Mbappe. Yeah, he's not a, not a Totti, not an Mbappe, not a um, not a, a Neymar. I don't know. Then I'm going to say that I'm allowed a superstar in his own city, but not ever internationally. Antonio Di Natale. I was absolutely a football crush on Antonio really? Di Natale for a long time. And do you know what? Actually. If you'd allow it to me, I would say Papu Gomez, almost for the same reason. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Because the two of them just make me happy. <laughs> because when they're playing football, I feel like I'm watching people who are having a whale of a time. I watch them and I think, you enjoy this. When Antonio Di Natale, in the later part of his career, certainly, scores a goal, he runs off grinning like he's the cat that got the cream, he's just enjoying it so much. And he didn't leave Udinese. This is the problem. I wanted to come to my team, but he never left Udinese because once he got there, he was happy. And I love that happiness. I would have loved to take it and bring it over to my team, which is Arsenal. But in reality, you couldn't have done it because his happiness was very much rooted in where he was and what he was doing. But he had fun. Like I remember him getting away with things that other footballers wouldn't get away with like giving a referee like a, a pinching a referee a linesman sorry's cheek after something and you think normal footballers can't do that but do you know Tyler's just like larking around and being a giant kid on the football not a giant kid a kid-sized kid frankly but uh being a, a happy kid on the football pitch and um it makes me happy and I, I didn't mean to size shame him there he was quite short and <laughs> you were um, so considerate I, I I would have had that joy in any football team for sure Who's yours? Who's yours? You've got to answer that as well. So you sing Gomez. Well, actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like, with just a, my favourite Champions League moment, I think it was the Champions League, yeah, but my favourite Champions League moment, I think, ever, yeah, was a particular match between Atletico Madrid when Arthur Turan was still there against Barcelona. 
And I think you will understand this if in any way you understand the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the linesman did something or basically gave a foul against Arda and to Barcelona. And it just shook him to his core, Arda Turan. And he ended up taking off his boot and throwing it at the linesman. And that for me is just... I don't know if anyone ever watched that wonderful interview um, in which there was, uh, it was like George Bush and an uh, Iraqi journalist ended up throwing his slipper at him, but it was just... I remember that, yeah. It is just such a Middle Eastern thing to do and nobody understood it on TV. And so it was a little bit like, oh, did his boot come off? And I'm like, he obviously took it off to throw it at him. But that for me is Arda Turan. I mean, you know, he reached Turkey, he got 16 match suspension and there's been all sorts of jail sentences, guns. Maybe maybe it's for the best that he sort of didn't end up at UB, if I'm honest. But Valverde was a huge fan of him, which is why he ended up in Barcelona. And um, I too thought he was amazing. Uh, Mazzukic, amazing. There are so many players that I've loved over the years that haven't been necessarily huge one is Nicolas Lodero because I always liked Uruguayans. Um, I wanted him and Suarez. Um, this is before Suarez became like the ginormous name that he became at Liverpool, obviously. Um, I really, really wanted them at Juve. I was so desperate for that at the time. Lodero's career didn't pan out the way that I think that it probably could have injuries and everything ruined it for him. I always was a huge fan of uh, Calabria. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about this kid, but from a young age, I could, it was upsetting me when they went for Conti because in my head, I was like, well, what about Calabria? <laughs> you know, like, is no one going to give a chance to Calabria? So I'm really happy that he's come on and been, the, you know, become the player that I, I feel like he's always, was always destined to be. And I just, I want him to really kick on from here. But I mean, if I go through them all, I'd be here forever. But um one one player that I was really ecstatic to have managed to keep and on hold on is Claudio Marquisio. And I know there was Paul Pogba and Andrea Pirlo and some of the best names ever, but um, Marquisio is the one that made my heart sing a lot. And one of the reasons why players like Arda Turan and didn't come to Juve, but players like Pirlo, Vidal, whatever, did, was a lot with the way that Juve scouting was so impeccable because it was also about people it was about who you were as a human being, what you like to do in your spare time, what your ambitions were, what you felt that you needed to prove, which is why they saw so much in Carlitos Tevez, who ended up being so amazing for Juventus. And Marquis is a great shout. I like I have to say, like it's you know, it's it's yours, not mine. I've I've given mine, but like I I think for someone who like genuinely wasn't a superstar, because some of these like say they creep towards it, he was nothing close to a superstar, but he was really good. He was really good and so important for Juventus. He absolutely was. Yeah, tactically, most intelligent. But he was the one you had at your club, so he doesn't count. All right, he is one that I had in my club. (laughs) Thank God for that. (laughs) Okay, let's go into the third question after we went down memory lane. (laughs) This one is from Loomsie. I don't know how to say your Twitter handle, Loomsie. I'm going to say at. Or Lumi, do you say Adams? No, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Lumsy. Uh, we know you've uh, been a, a long-term follower of our podcasting and we should know how to say your name. We don't. Maybe you can, like, on your, like, write to us and say us how we can pronounce your Twitter handle. But anyway, your question is, I don't know why a mid-table team didn't come for Simi 
um, Nwankwo uh, after all his goal exploits? And also, why did Caputo move from a mid-level team to Sampdoria? Is this, <laughs> I feel like uh, Nikki will really know how to answer this one. Is it that there's no need for strikers in the league? Oh, I, I, I don't think it's that. I think if anything, it's that there's actually an abundance of goal scorers in the league at the moment. Looking at the the reality of Serie A right now, which is the highest scoring league in Europe, as we keep reminding you guys, highest scoring of the top leagues in Europe, certainly um, by quite a way. Uh, lots of teams are finding those goals without too much trouble. Simi, you know I enjoy Simi. We've I've talked about it on this podcast. I, I, I waxed lyrical about him a lot last season, but his sort of purple patch that he went through last season under Sergio Cosmi is still in the grand scheme of things relatively uh, unusual in his career. He did have a great season the season before in Serie B, but he's not been prolific all through his career. Um, he's he's got something, and I think for a team like Salernitana can offer something. I think he's got qualities that are awkward to defend against um, with his unorthodox playing style and and those long, long limbs. Um, but he's not, I think I talked about this last week or the week before, he's not someone who I think technically is is a top, top, top player. I think he's he's an interesting player, but I don't think he's technically a top, top, top player. So I think he's he's at the right level for him and I hope he does well there. Although Salernitana, well, they have won a game now, but it feels to me like their 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 recruitment has been a bit haphazard as well. Um, unfortunately, as for Chicho Caputo, again, we're talking about a striker in the, the latter phase of his career who has something to offer for sure. But I I just I don't know what team you would see higher up the table that is screaming for a Chicho Caputo. The Inters, the Milans, the Romas of this world have their sights set a little bit higher. Certainly don't want to spend the money on someone in that age category with um, a relatively recent track record of scoring um, the number of goals they need. And Sampdoria are a team who are able to spend a bit on on one or two good players. And they've tried to do that. They've tried to put them together with Quagliarella, with Candreva. And I think at least in, in the... Um, team building process, Sampdoria would have liked to tell you that this is building towards a team that could compete for Europe. I'm not sure I believe that they can, but that is a team that thinks it can compete for Europe, uh, at least within itself. And so I, I, I don't think it's it's a low level thing. I think it's just the right level for where he is as a footballer. Um, I, I don't see him as a Champions League level talent, even though there's lots to enjoy about him. And so I think I think he's about where he should be. I think that you mentioned just, you know, the age. I think that's also something worth noting for Simi because he'll be 30 this year. Huge. Um, and that is also, an you know, again, if you are like a Sampdoria, for example, and you are going to go for a football, you'll probably go more for Caputo than you would go for Simi. There's resale values. I think also considering we're in COVID times, people are more looking for how they can actually sell on a player and make some money out of it. Um, you know, the, the kind of transfers that include like Damsgaard coming in for 7 million and potentially being sold for much higher. So scouts are working on these things right mm. now, unfortunately. And considering how much we look abroad, when you consider the Udinese, I think are in the top five in all the top five leagues to build what 80, 80% of their team is foreign. It's, it is what it is. I mean, they're coming from different lands. They're not even coming from Serie A or Serie B. So I do think that's probably why some people don't want to take chances at the moment, especially not anyone who is of a certain age. 
Our last question we've got, which comes from Barfly Sports at Barfly Coaches, uh, which was the first non-domestic or team you didn't follow football shirt that you bought? Mine was a Juventus shirt in the 1980s from a store in New Yorker. And we got a photo with this one and it's the um, old uh, Ariston uh, sponsored strip uh, with uh, Vittori Color. I just love it. I think it's one of the I don't know. It's, it's a good-looking classic kit. Um, what is? So, do you have an answer, Nina? Okay, so my first, probably my only footballing cup crush. I don't remember like ever really being like into a footballer, but for me, the only player that I was madly in love with and I pretty much stalked basically was Pierluigi Casaraki, <laughs> and. Yeah, I was obsessed with him and him coming for Euro 96 and to Chelsea. And I don't know, too far from the stadium, I was like a rather obsessed with him. So for me, Lazio shirt was a shirt that I had bought. And I actually thought and convinced myself that I was a Lazio fan. Um, and then obviously I didn't understand all these things. I mean, it all sort of wiped away as soon as I saw Del Piero's back heel. I was like, who is this? You know, um, but... Yeah. Del Piero was a football crush, like as in, wow, the way he played the game. But Casaraghi was like, a, wow, he's so good looking. <laughs> so that was um, the difference between the two. So I had a Lazio shirt and I also had a Barcelona one because my dad bought it for me. And I'm not a fan of Barcelona. <laughs> Never really have been barring Ronaldinho. So, but yeah, I, I did have that shirt just because we spent so much of our time there. Oh, and I also have one from Besiktas in Istanbul. What about you? So I'm trying to work out what I'll be allowed here. Why? Because, um, because as, as I've discussed literally last week on the podcast, my, my team is Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but I, I do have family with Inter leanings. So an Inter shirt, will that count as a football shirt for a team I didn't follow? Probably as a kid, I felt more like I was, was like my second team was Inter. Because when you're a kid, you feel like more like that's a thing. Whereas as an adult, I don't feel that way about it. So maybe it shouldn't count. If it does count, then if it does, if I'm allowed it, then it would, my, I would say Christian Vieri Inter shirt. Okay. Which I bought from a market. Um, we used to go on, uh, we would be in Italy every summer when I was a kid. I, I grew up in England, but half Italian family, I was in Italy every summer. And anyone who has spent much time in Italy will know that bootleg shirts in markets are a thing. Barely anyone buys the actual official replica kits. Clubs are working harder and harder to try and help fans be encouraged to buy the yes. actual replica kits, but normally everyone buys the, the knockoff ones. So it was a one of those Inter shirts. If you looked at it too closely, you'd be like, that's not the Inter badge, but you know. It will do. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> um, if that doesn't count, then I actually got, when he was briefly at Perugia, I got a Hidetoshi Nakata Perugia shirt. Um, same thing though, very much not the real deal. Um, very much um, one of those bootleg ones. But um, yeah, I, I was in Italy one summer and I I had some very sort of football nerdy friends. And I, I actually honestly, if I'm being totally truthful about him at that age, I think I was less sort of aware of who he was and really sort of across what he was doing than some of my football nerdy friends were. But I thought I saw a name and I was like, oh, I'm going to get that because Matt will be impressed. And and I did. So yeah, for probably the equivalent of like five euros because yeah, 
those bootleg markets, you can often get a bargain. Yeah, and then we wonder why there's no commercial revenue for Italian teams um, <laughs> yes. and merchandising revenue. <laughs> it's actually really interesting, some of that stuff. You know, you see some of the big clubs in Italy have really tried to do things like um, in a completely different way to Premier League clubs. Some of the top Italian clubs have like actually almost created two versions of replica jerseys. So you get like the proper replica jersey and there's another version that's like a 10 euro version, which is slightly nicer than the one you can get at the market. So you sort of trying to cut off that sort of 10 euros. I might be, I might be gone lower than it actually is. I might be like 15 or 20, but still like a version that's a lot cheaper than the main one because you know, you're competing with the, 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 the one in the market. And so you're trying to make one that's a bit more accessible, but yes, it is a problem for Italian clubs, that culture. Um, it definitely is a revenue stream that they, um, it's not even so much the revenue stream that you lose from selling the shirts themselves. What you lose is the value in the sponsorship deals with the shirt sponsors because shirt sponsors know they won't sell as many yeah. um, as they would with the Premier League club. So it's a challenge. That's genuinely a thing that Italian clubs have, have been wrestling with. Well, a former Premier League player who made a lot of money, um, his kid wanted a Ronaldo Juventus shirt at the time and he asked me if I could get like a bootleg one when I was next in Turin for 10 euros you know I was like come on you can afford the full like proper like official kit so but this is how famous um these shirts are so anyway thank you all for your questions and we hope you enjoyed the study Our chronicles Q&A please do keep them coming and get your questions in on Twitter at Cron Pod with the hashtag Chronicles Q and A. Subscribe to the Seti Chronicles podcast on your favorite podcast app. I wonder which one is mine. I listen to various podcasts on various platforms. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. It was really, it's really weird. It's like, I have two apps. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I feel like I have all my football on Apple, but then I have like Spotify is like my fun stuff like oh god that sounds like football isn't my fun stuff but you know what I mean like no I get it football is our work yeah yeah, like we don't enjoy it but like you have things that are separate from work I do get that I do but please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, please only note this if this is positive. Otherwise, sod off. Um, <laughs> but then why are you listening to this anyway? I'm <laughs> just joking. You can follow Sedia Chronicles on social media. She's not joking. I am the witch of Sedia. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And now we even have a Telegram channel. I don't even know this anymore. I'm not a, I'm like a millennial. I'm not Generation Z. So please consider supporting the show at zariachronicles.com forward slash supporter. Like I said, we are in alliance with Jeff Bezos and we are coming to dominate the world. <laughs> so either way, thank you so much. Keep those questions coming in and ciao for now. Podcast Network.